Amen, amen, amen. I want to welcome you into our midweek Bible study right here at Liberty Christian Church International. If you can do me a favor real quick, I'm going to give you about 10 or 15 seconds and we're going to open up with a word of prayer. If you're on Facebook, go ahead and share this. If you're on Twitter, share it with about 10 people on either one of those platforms. Invite somebody to join in with you. We got a lot of words to get to tonight. I'm excited about this. Um, Liberty, do me a favor. If you go into the message group, you'll see how to join us on Zoom on this evening. Um, we're going to try something new to add into addition with what we normally do. But if you're uh, if you're a partner of Liberty you, and you have access to the messenger group, please go on there and join me in the message group or join me on Zoom that way. Um, we'll open that up to the public. In probably a couple of weeks, I want to test it. Y'all know that I enjoy technology, but I want to make sure that we present it right. But like I said, do me a favor. Make sure you go ahead and share this with somebody. I'm excited about what God is getting ready to do on this evening. Um, you get the opportunity. We're all going to get the opportunity to have an amazing evening. Um, so much stuff is going on. Uh, but I want to, like I said, open us up with a word of prayer on this evening. Amen. 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 If all hearts and minds are prepared, I don't want to hold us on this evening. If all hearts and minds are prepared, let us go before the throne of grace. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, for this time. We thank you, God, for this opportunity. We thank you, God, for bringing us through today, God. We ask first and foremost, God, that you forgive us of our sins, sins of omission and sins of commission, sins against your word, sins against your will, sins even against your purpose for us in the earth, God. So, God, we just thank you, God, and we ask you right now to cast those sins into the sea of forgiveness, never to be remembered again, God. And, God, we ask right now that you give us an opportunity to walk with a clean heart, a clean mind, and a clean spirit, oh, God. God, so right now, as we prepare our hearts and minds to hear what thus saith the Lord and hear and study the word, we know your word declares to study to show thyselves approve a workman who need not be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of God, the word of truth. Amen. And so we take this opportunity, God, to, to simply say, uh, pour into us on this evening, God. Pour your spirit into us. Pour your anointing on us. Cover us and endow us at this moment and at this time, God. And make it so that even babes can understand, God. Make the word plain, God. Make it receptive. Make it, uh, allow it to fall on good ground and good soil so that it won't just be speech, but it will be a call to action, God. So, God, right now we just thank you in advance for all that you're going to do, for all that you've done. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Now, Father, hide me behind your cross so that the people will see none of me, but they will hear and see all of thee. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. You are my strength and my redeemer. It is in your son Jesus' name that I pray. Amen, amen, amen. Once again, I said I'm excited about this opportunity to be with you, um, to join you on uh to join you on this Thursday night. Um, it's been snowing here in the DMV. It's been a lot of stuff going on. 
but this is an opportunity that we get to come together and study and learn the word of God and hear the word of God and be able to receive the word of God. Amen. And so in the process of that, I want to make sure that we are uh, partaking and and getting what God has for us. Now, we've been in this series since the beginning of this year called Encounters with Jesus, Encounters with Jesus, and it's been dealing with Jesus in personal time that he has uh, met people along his travels, along his ways, uh, where he's gone to and fro from Jerusalem to uh, uh, to. Um, uh, uh, to the different areas in uh, in Israel, the different places that he's gone to Samaria, um, to different places and the interactions that he's had with those people and how they've impacted uh, their life. Amen. And so um, tonight we're going to continue on with that and we're going to jump into another uh, uh, another encounter that was had with Jesus. It's a very famous story. It's a very uh, well-known story. Last week, I found out that the story that we gave last week, a lot of people did not, had not read that story in the Bible, and it was, uh, and it was amazing, but it was a story about the about Jesus as he was walking in the the woman, the widow woman, and she was the funeral of her son, um, and Jesus raised his son, her son from the dead while he was yet in the casket, and we talked about la that last week. Um, so this week, I want us to deal with another story. Um, this week, we're going to take a trip to Samaria. Amen. Samaria. And we're going to look at John, the fourth chapter, John, the fourth chapter, beginning at the fourth verse, John, the fourth chapter, beginning at the fourth verse. Um, I'm going to read it from the New King James Bible. I told you that's our Bible for this year, the New King James Bible. I will be preaching and teaching from that translation, the New King James Bible. You know, my other Bible of choice is the New American. Standard Bible, but this year we're going to focus on using the New King James Bible. Um, and the scripture says this. I'm going to give you a second to, to go ahead and uh, pull that up. As you can see on your screen right now, we're dealing with this theme and this topic called uh, a conversation can change your life. A conversation can change your life. Um, if you're on Facebook and you want to jot down a note, uh, simply put in our note section uh, or the comment section, a conversation can change your life. Um, just thinking about that as we, uh, as we get ready to dive into scripture, um, th there has been plenty of times in our life, in, in your life, in my life, I don't have to speak that prophetically, but I simply know that uh, just on the, on the auspices of having lived a life, having grown up, been a child or a young adult or a teenager, or even now in, my, in the middle part of my life, in my early 40s, that there are conversations I've had with people that have caused change in my life. Um, some, when I was younger, it may have caused a bad change. Some, when I was younger, it may have caused a good change. It may have gotten me out of a bad situation. It may have gotten me back on track financially. It may have gotten me back on track spiritually. But uh, there, are, there comes a time in our life or times in our life where we have conversations that change the course and the narrative of what we've been. It may have been on wor at work before you got ready to quit your job and somebody talked to you and you ended up staying on your job. 
It may have been in church where you've gone through church hurt. It may have been uh, in your relationship, in your marriage, where uh, it may have caused you to stay a little longer. It may have caused you to try a little harder. It may have kept you from doing something that you should not have done. But there are times in our life where uh, where we have had conversations with intricate, uh, with intricate people in our life. They may not be permanent people in our life, but the people, when they come in the season that they're in in our life, even if that season may be one day, one moment, at one time, it, it may be something that has caused change in your life. Amen? We are accepting uh, things on uh, uh, Facebook, so please allow me to... to, to to, to bounce around a little bit on this evening. Like I said, we're trying something new on this evening, so you may see some things pop up on your screen. But um, yet and still, like I said, conversations can cause a change in your life. Amen? And so now, I, I want us to look at John, the fourth chapter, beginning at the fourth verse. Like I said, it's a very famous scripture. It's a very familiar, uh, it, it's a very familiar scripture. It's one that we have seen and witnessed and uh, had the opportunity to know, uh, to know before if you've ever been in church. You've heard someone preach from this story. And matter of fact, even when I was looking through our Bible trivia this uh, a couple of minutes ago, one of the sweat, one of the questions were, was, uh, was in reference to this story. But the fourth chapter, fourth chapter of John, beginning at the fourth verse, it says this, but he needed to go through Samaria, he being Jesus. And it says, so he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. It says, a woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me drink. Verse number eight said, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask Ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, for Jesus, for Jews, excuse me, for Jews have no dealings with Samaria. I'm getting ahead of myself. Then Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is uh, who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Somebody say living water. Verse number 11 says this, the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? I'm, I'm going to go to verse number 15 on tonight. Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons, uh, well, as well as his sons and his livestock? Verse number 13, uh, Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. And verse number 14 says, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And verse number 15 simply says this, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. 
So this evening, like I said, I want to deal with this thought and I want to deal with this understanding of, uh, uh, of this. A conversation can change. Uh, a conversation can change your life. A conversation can change your life, can change your life. If you are on Zoom with us, can you go ahead and mute your, uh, uh, mute your microphones for me? It's going to be plenty of times, plenty of time for us to have question and answer. Matter of fact, we're going to uh, open it up in a second for the question and answer portion. Um, so uh, get, your, get your papers ready, get your stuff ready, because I want you all to participate in this on this evening. Amen. So we, we see this encounter um, with the woman at the well, the, the, the Samaritan woman um, at, the, uh, at the well. Um, Jesus is tired. Jesus has performed miracles. Jesus has left a region and gone into a new region. We find Jesus at a place where he finds this well and he sits down and his disciples are going into the city to buy food so that they can feed the master, that they can come back and tend to the master. They can come back and have fellowship with Jesus. So Jesus is in this place where he's all by himself and this woman of approaches uh, coming to do her normal daily tasks, her normal daily assignments, her normal daily things, and she runs up on the well as well. The Bible says that she came in the evening. She came, well, she came in the afternoon, and in, and if you study out the history, the, this was a time when most people were not at the well, and we're going to get in why uh, she may have come in the evening instead of coming in the morning when the rest of the women and the rest of the city had come out to the well and drawn from the well. But yet and still, she was in a place where she was by herself and she walks up to Jesus Christ. She walks up and, and he's there and she's there. Um, and, and I think something well, was getting ready to transpire that, like never before. I'm trying to give you a, a, a little uh a, a little opportunity to simply get engaged in this story. Something was getting ready to take place that she never expected. She came to simply get a drink, but she began to see this man. And obviously when she saw the man, he probably looked different than everybody else that lived in Samaria, everybody else that was in that town. Because uh, uh, we see in her questioning later on, she said, how you being a Jew ask me to give you a cup of water. So, so, so before we even get right there, I need to ask you so that we can deal with this thought, we can deal with this understanding, we can deal with this simple question, why did Jesus speak. Why did Jesus speak to the Samaritan woman? Um, you can put some answers down on Facebook if you're on there. But for my people that are in the that are in uh, on Zoom, I'm going to ask you this and I'm going to put you all on spot. You don't have to show your face, but I want you to answer that question. Why did Jesus speak? Why do you think that Jesus spoke to her? Jesus, we, we can't say that Jesus didn't know that she was she wasn't a Samaritan woman because Jesus is all-knowing. Jesus knew the region. Jesus knew where he was headed to, obviously. So why do you believe that he spoke to the woman? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to open it up for my question so y'all don't be so quiet over there. It's open right now. So can somebody answer that question? Why do you believe that Jesus, in verse number 7, spoke to this woman and asked her for a drink? 
uh, y'all don't get quiet on me. I know y'all are there. I seen y'all and and I accepted some. So let let let's let's answer some questions, you all. Why do you believe that Jesus spoke? Okay, I I, I know that you all are there. <laughs> But but I'm I'm I, what I'm really trying to get you to do is get is let's have let's have this discussion and let's talk and think about why were we in this place um, where Jesus, knowing everything that we know, dealing with Jesus, why did he speak to the Samaritan woman? Deacon Sandy, I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot. I'm gonna ask you first. Amen. Amen. We may be having some technical difficulties with that, um, but I am gonna I'm, I'm gonna continue on, and and hopefully we can get some participation a little bit. Amen. Um, but like I said once again, um, dealing with this question and dealing with this whole uh, this whole opportunity of the Sumerian woman. When you're dealing with new using new technology, I know that sometimes. We um it it gives us the opportunity not to uh be able to do it. But but dealing with this Sumerian woman, amen. Amen. I'm gonna continue on. I'm not gonna hold us up. Um in this moment Jesus knew, and I and I believe that as a Christian, that this is a principle that a lot of us need to embrace. Jesus spoke to the Sumerian woman. Because he did not care about the religious law, he did not care that uh, that there was a mandate or there was a, a a standing law that Jews did not speak to Sumerians or whatever it may have been, because they were not looked at as a, a complete person. Because a lot of them had some had maybe had Jewish fathers and Sumerian mothers, they were not completely Jews. Amen. And so when you study them out and when you study the history of them out, it has more to do with their lineage and where they came from. We know that the well was built by Jacob and given to Joseph. Um, we know who Joseph is. Actually, Sunday, I'm going to start preaching about Joseph. But we know that in the mindset and in the makeup of this, that we see Joseph or we see Jesus speaking at this time and at this moment and dealing with um, dealing with the Sumerian woman. And Jesus, for all intents and purposes, does not care what the religious law was, does not care what everybody says, does not care what's going on. He does not care what has happened up until this moment. Because if he came to be Lord of all, if he came to save the Jews as well as the Gentiles, then he has to have an opportunity to begin to minister to them in that place that they are. Amen? He has to have the opportunity to begin to build relationships and start to speak to them where they are and not 
sit there and hold them to the religious bound laws that was established way before he came into the earth. We see it over and over again. We see Jesus picking uh, food and feeding his disciples on the Sabbath. We saw Jesus healing on the Sabbath. We saw Jesus doing all types of miracles on the Sabbath. And yet and still, we get to a place where because she had interacted with so many other people that, that, that or so, or she had probably had interaction with Jewish men uh, or, or Jewish people just in general, that she had grown accustomed to them putting their nose up towards her or looking down on her, looking down on the Sumerians, those that were uh, a part of her family, those that were in her town, in her community, and came so much so that when she saw Jesus or when she had interaction with somebody who was not from Samaria, she wanted to know, why would you even speak to me? Why did you even, uh, uh, you probably shouldn't have even have looked at me uh, if, if the religious law was correct. If, if the laws of the land were correct, you probably shouldn't even be in this place where I'm at. I'm here doing what I normally do, but now you're here. And so now are you getting ready to hold me accountable because you spoke to me? Are you getting ready to hold me accountable because of what's going on right now? When you spoke to me, what were you trying? to establish. I believe Jesus was establishing relationship. Amen. And you constantly hear me and know that I'm a pastor of relationship. I talk about a relationship with God and building a relationship with God. And that that's the constant theme of the Bible. It's constantly about relational. It's relationship. Jesus builds relationships with us so that he can reconnect us with the Father. Amen. That comes through relationships. And so relationships are a very vital vital and important uh, uh, ingredient to this, to, this, uh, to this commitment and receiving salvation from God. Amen? So now if, if we see this Samaritan woman in verse number seven now saying, why are you even talking to me? We know that there has to be a purpose by Jesus. Jesus just doesn't do anything arbitrarily. When Jesus steps into the scene, when he steps into the atmosphere, and I told you last week, then things are about to shift and change. Somebody declares about to change. Yeah, when Jesus comes onto the scene, when Jesus comes into the the, to the midst of the whole situation, we see him and we see what he's getting ready to do, or we can believe that he's getting ready to change something from where it was to where it is. Amen. So now, we once again, we see uh, uh, we see Jesus saying to this woman, "Give me a drink. Give me a drink, woman. Uh, I, 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 I'm thirsty. I've been walking. I've been. You don't understand what I've been doing." And Jesus may have been in proximity to get his own drink. But but at that moment, he saw an opportunity to touch, reach out and touch the woman of uh, the woman that was there, the woman who was less than, the woman who was not uh, uh, seen as a whole person, the woman who was seen as a, a, as a sinner, the woman who was seen not as completely righteous. But Jesus saw the opportunity to minister to her. Somebody say he's talking right now. He's talking to me because in your own life, there have been 
times where you've had communication and talks with God when you were less than what you are now, less than where you should have been, less than who you should have been. You've gone through trials. You've gone through tribulations. You've gone through situations. You may not even have been in the right graces with God, but God's found a, a time and a place to reach out to you to say, hey, give me a drink and start the conversation with you. Yeah, a lot of times we, we, we constantly say, God, I, I, we ask, we're asking God for something. We're constantly going to God for something. But this Sumerian woman came to draw water from somewhere she did not expect to meet Jesus. She did not expect to meet the Son of God. She did not expect to be blessed. She did not expect to get a life-changing conversation. She did not expect to go through what she went through at that moment. But I believe that God is telling you and I that this season of your life, when you're ex not expecting a closer, closer relationship, when you're not expecting his hand on your life to watch out for the conversations that he's getting ready to start with you, to watch out for the opportunities that he's giving you to draw closer to him, to watch out for the opportunities where he's going to tell you to grab something and sow into somebody and you don't know that it's getting ready to release the provisions that you need. It's time to give him a drink. The, the, the Samaritan woman, then it says this, that for his disciples had gone away in verse number eight into the city to buy food. And verse number nine is where we're going to ready to park at with a couple of questions that I have for you. It said, then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you being a Jew asks a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Yeah, they have no dealings. They they don't even want to see you when you come into their come into their environment. They don't want they, when they see you they walk past you. When they see you they act like you don't even exist. When they see you they act like that that you're nothing, that you're less than, that you're not worthy of even a greeting of hello. That that you're not even worthy of of someone saying shalom to you. He he said she said for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Yeah, that 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 says a lot. And 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 if we want to look at that in a in a modern state in a modern stasis or a, a, a modern statistic, how often do you see the men and women of God walking past who they consider less than and they'll turn their nose up at them? Who am I dealing with on this evening? Uh, the, the, the people who have arrived in church and the people who feel like that, that, that they don't do anything wrong, that, that they walk past those that, that they feel that are beneath them while they're still singing their praises, while they're still singing their worship songs. But God said, what you do to the least of these you have done unto me. So so, so I came by to tell somebody right now that even when Jesus spoke to this Samaritan woman, he was changing the way that the people that followed him were supposed to respond to the less than. The way that the people that gave their life to him are supposed to respond to those that don't look apart. Those that may not worship like you do. Those that may not praise like you do. Those that may not have learned the word like you've learned the word. Those that may be out on the corner drunk and high 
Stop walking past them and not giving the love of God to them. Stop walking past them and not extending the hand of God in the environment. Some people in your own family, because you consider them less than you haven't spoken to in 20 years. Some people that you feel like did you wrong, and even though you gave all your problems over to God and God has set you free and you've asked God to forgive you, you have not forgiven them yet. You look at them as the Samaritan. Like, why would I even give them the time of day in order to, and, and, and simply put, I'm in a different place than what I was then. And God is simply saying, now it's time for you to get into this place of understanding what God is trying to do. Amen. Understand who God is and what God is trying to say. Amen. I see you uh, coming back in. But I, I, I need to continue on with this very quickly so that we can so that we can get to some questions because I have some questions for you on this evening. Once again, like I said, we're in a place in John 4 where I'm, I'm, I'm really wanting to deal with this whole situation and this whole scene. So my first question for you for this evening is simply this. What made the woman respond so defensively? So defensive, excuse me. And have you ever had a have you ever had a conversation with Christians that caused you to get defensive? Yeah, I want to talk to some people on this evening. I told you I, 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 I really came so that we could talk on this evening. If you want to comment or chime in on this real quick, um, have you ever had a conversation? Or matter of fact, let's answer that first question. What made the woman's response so defensive? Anybody want to take a crack at that on this evening? Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, hello? <laughs> hello? Uh, hey, Deacon Sansi, how are you? Hi, I'm well. How are you? I'm good. So, so our question is, what made the woman at the well respond so defensively? Or do you want to take a crack at the question, have you ever had a conversation with a Christian that caused you to get defensive? <laughs> of course, I think that we all have. But I think in the case of the woman at the well, Definitely, she got defensive because, like she said, the Jews don't have any dealings with Samaritans. So she's almost like, why are you talking to me? And why are you talking to me now? Because you guys don't speak to me any other time. So maybe she probably felt that he was <laughs> coming with, I don't know, some sort of negativity. Or maybe, I, I don't know, I guess maybe she didn't really know what to expect because they never had really spoken before as far as like the Jews and Samaritans people. Amen. I guess because she felt like the Jews looked down on them because they were culturally mixed. Amen. Amen. So, so so I'm 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 going to put you on the spot since I got you here. Can can you talk about a conversation that that has caused you to get defensive with a Christian? Um I have to really think about that one. <laughs> I have to kind of go uh, kind of dig deep. Um I'm trying to remember. I, like I said, of course, I think that we all have. I just, nothing comes directly to mind offhand. Okay. That I could mention. <laughs> amen, amen. Anybody else want to hop in on this? Amen. Let, let, there we go. I see you. I see you, Prophetess Henson. Henson. Welcome to our Bible study on this evening. Did you want to chime in? Amen. 
Amen. I know it's saying that our, it, the, the connection is a little off on the computer, but amen, amen. I think we got some more people coming in. Amen. Anybody else want to take a stab at this real quick? Amen, amen. Welcome, prophetess. How are you on this evening? You, you, you're on mute if you want to come in. Uh, you can go ahead and unmute it, or let me see how. Amen, amen. Good evening, good evening. Good evening. Can, uh, can you hear me? Just want to see if you can hear me. Yes. Amen, yes, amen. So the question we've posed right now, we're talking about the woman at the well. And our question right now is, uh, have you ever had a conversation with someone that, that says they're a Christian that has caused you to get defensive, such as the woman at the well? Amen. Amen. Because what what's intriguing about this 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 story is that all Jesus said what said to her is give me a drink. <laughs> that 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 was his only thing that he said to her and it seemed to have taken her by such a surprise that in her response it was like, it wasn't even a, why would you ask me? A and, and I think a lot of times where, where I'm trying to, to get us to see that we walk around a lot of times as Christians with this air that there is nothing wrong with our lives, that we're bigger and better than everything else. And then when somebody, is, when we see somebody, they're a lot of times turned off by us or preceding before the, before the hello even happens because of what they've experienced with other Christians. You, 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 you have those that have gone through church hurt that will get very defensive because of their experience in the church so that when somebody else who has an has a opportunity to speak or minister to them approaches them, they put this guard up and they build this barrier up and can't receive anything because all they remember or think about is what they've already experienced with somebody else and how somebody else talked about them, how somebody else said that they would pray for them, but they heard from 20 other people what that person talked about, what they held, said in confidence to them. They heard it from 20 other people, not even, not even knowing that that's what that person did. So now they put a guard up and this Samaritan woman said Jews don't even have dealings with us amen you shouldn't even be here you 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 shouldn't even be here even though she didn't know it was Jesus but you shouldn't even be here at this time and, and so it, it's like when, when we think about that and, and we relate to it in in, in, in biblical times but so much of that happens right now. 
You have people who feel like they've arrived on a pulpit. You feel like they there are people that have arrived in ministry, people that once they got saved, that they forget about those people that they was just hanging out with and they look down on them. You Once somebody is not able to sow a certain amount into your church, I don't know why I'm going there with this, but now that they're not able to do for you what you need them to do for you, now you no longer want to deal with them. Now you no longer want to sow, speak into their life. Now somehow they're, no, they're not as saved as you are anymore because they've gone through a divorce. They're not as saved as you are anymore because they've fallen off the, they, they fell off the wagon because you don't know the hurt that they've been dealing with, but instead of embracing what we see Jesus doing, because this is what Jesus did in this moment at the well, he embraced somebody that everybody else like him cast off. Amen? (laughs) Because the crazy part is, if the disciples had come back, they probably would have asked Jesus, why are you even speaking to her? She's a Samaritan. But Jesus took a moment where he was by himself, where nobody else could come in between them and said that I came on the scene so that your relationship can be built with me. Yeah, that's why so many people say that they rather build the relationship with Christ than come to the church. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm touching something that I wasn't even meaning to touch on this evening. But, but now we see that in the midst of this situation, in this time of this situation, amen, that, that Jesus did not care about religious rules. Jesus did not care about religious situations. Jesus simply said, my child is here, somebody that I need to make a relationship with and establish a relationship with and build from this so that the rest of a whole city can come to an understanding of who I am. Yeah. So, so amen. So, so, so now I want you to, uh, I, I want to go a little bit further. And ask this question, did the woman's response denote a personal inferiority or a misconception? Yeah, because it, it, it did, I, I believe that she may have already, because she had dealt with so much, may have felt like she was inferior. Felt inferior. Yeah. yeah she, <laughs> she, she may have felt inferior to, uh, to anybody that did not look like her. Anybody that did not live in that quadrant of Samaria, she she probably felt inferior to anybody who came up. And so now this is a problem that 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 so many deal with. Amen. Because they feel inferior to the man or woman of God when they walk in there because we won't give a testimony. We won't talk about where we've come from. We won't talk about the mess that we've been involved in. We won't talk about the thing, the issues that we've gone through or faced prior to Christ and then even in the body of Christ. But the body of Christ, there's a remnant now that's being birthed that is willing to say, this is the transparent part of me. This is the part of me that that has been hurt. This is the part of me that's gone through hell and high water. This is the part of me because if we are overcome by the words of our testimony, if we don't give a testimony, which is about the test that we face, then how can we set the captives free? Yeah. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. If we aren't able to be truthful and be real and take off all these layers of clothes that we put on, because we'll dress a pig up in a suit and act like, yeah, <laughs> and, and, and act like that pig has never wallowed in slop. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so now we, we, we realize that this, that this woman at the well dealt with inferiority complex. It wasn't a misconception. It wasn't somebody saying, oh, she only dealt with a couple. No, there was a whole nation that simply said the Samaritans aren't worthy of our, uh, worthy of our time. They're not worthy of anything from us. And so now, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to let y'all jump in there because I have this question, and like I said, have you ever spoken to a Christian that seemed to have had it all together and it made you feel inferior to them. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, I, yeah, I, you I, get conversations of you're not really saved if you don't do things this this way or that way, or if you don't say something this way or that way, or do this or do that, or that's not how the scripture goes, or this way, and, and you know, they just make people kind of feel like they don't belong. <laughs> it's like, how you know, especially when somebody's coming in and they're just learning or they're j- they just gave their life to Christ, they kind of have this, I've seen some people kind of have this air about them. Like, I know more than you. You don't know anything. Like, let me just teach you every single thing that you need to know. <laughs> and we see that from denominations. We see that from the the different sex and the different factions and in, in, in the body of Christ, and I'm not here to beat up the body of Christ, but in order to expose something so that we can heal completely from it, we have to call it what it is. There's a spirit of religion. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting ready to deal with that. There's a spirit of religion that is causing the body of Christ to fall by the wayside because it is God, it, it is governing ju- them just like the sa- the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and is making them feel like I can't be anything. I can't come to the throne if I gotta walk around with that air on me. How can I get into a relationship with God who said He loves me where I'm at right now? Yeah, if God loves me where I'm at right now, God, he's already said that I, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But every time I, I, I mess up, somebody's beating me over my head. <laughs> Pastor, I have been on both sides. Come on. I have been on both sides, both as a young Christian um, in a backslidden state. Um, and you go not looking to be judged or ridiculed, but you're looking to say, hey, what what can you do to help me? I know I, I've, I've messed up or I don't quite, I've, I've missed the mark, or you feel like you've missed the mark. And you get such condescending, well, if you just do this and, you know, say abstinent and do this and do that, and, and you're just looking and you're like, okay, well, how do I get to that point? And um, one of the best things that had ever been done to me, um, I'm so glad that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. Come on. Because I got a pastor, Pastor Adam, 
and she believed in transparency. And that's what freed me from that perfectionism. Liking I would, I've been saved since I was 12 with the evidence of speaking in tongues, fire baptized. But I always felt like I was missing the mark. Every Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, convocation, I always felt like I had to recite Psalm 51, create me a clean heart, O Lord. But all I was doing was taking care of mama, going to school, taking care of my kids. But I felt condemned every, every time I stepped foot. And I'm like, what did I do? I know I was living Christ on the job. I wasn't doing, but I just felt like I didn't fit in. I didn't fit in with the older saints. I didn't fit in with the ones my age. I definitely wasn't the 18 to 24. And when I transferred, I, I, I said, Lord, I said, whatever you, he says, I want you to move. I'm like, move. And when I did that, and she had a whole sermon on transparency. And transparency is the new testimony. It replaced the testimony service. But I would rather have somebody tell me that they went through, they went through the valley and they came out. Amen. Amen. Transparency, I remember when I wrote my book and the, the, the pastor who helped publish my book said, I have never seen a book that was so open because in seminary, this, this, this is what he told me, in seminary, you're taught to put to elevate yourself above the people as if there's nothing wrong, that if there's nothing that has happened. And, he's, and I told him, I said, well, I can't preach from a place of there's nothing happened when the ministry that God gave me was based on everything that has happened. <laughs> and so in the midst of all of that, this, this, this inferiority and this, 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 this feeling down and, and being broken and, and not having anybody to go to, when God said liberty comes forth, he said where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. He, when, when Jesus met that Samaritan woman, Jesus, come on. When Jesus met this Samaritan woman, he was living that scripture. He said, no matter what you went through, I'm here at this moment. And I don't care what they told you you're not supposed to do because I'm on the scene. I supersede every religious law. Yeah, who was that for right there? He said, I supersede every religious thing that has happened to you that has caused you to be hurt. He said, I superseded that. What they told you that you're not supposed to be, what they told you that you're not supposed to come in contact with, I'm telling you that I'm here for you. Yeah. I, I, I want to I, I, I hit this real quick. Because I need you to see that all of your experience in life should be this, should draw you to the well of Christ. Amen. The, the Samaritan woman, as we dealt with the text in the scripture, in verse number nine, uh, 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 not verse number nine, verse number 10, it says, Jesus has answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you your living water or giving you living water. At that moment, Jesus asked for her, asked of her the same thing that she needed. 
Yeah, the same thing that she had came there for, Jesus was ready to give it to her spiritually. Yeah, Jesus knew what he was saying to her when he said, give me a drink. Yeah, on the physical side, he was connecting with her so that he could speak to her spirit. If he had not said, give me a drink, he would have not known that she felt inferior. If he had not said, give me a drink, he would have not been able to get out of her what she felt about her self-esteem. Yeah, so in that moment, Jesus said once again in verse number 10, if you knew the gift of God, he was telling her right there, guess what? You got something that's right here that you're getting ready to have access to, that you have access to simply because I spoke to you, that you got to realize how to tap into me. He said, he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. It's funny what the woman said in verse number 11. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. <laughs> Where then do you get that living water? Yeah. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? And the Bible said Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst again. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst again nor come here to draw. At that moment, we see this, this, trans, this spiritual transformation of what the physical was supposed to present to now understanding that what she needed on the inside was to be filled up from a standpoint of all the hurt, all the mess, all the brokenness, all the distress, all the inferiority complexes, all the, the people that talked about her, all the people that cast her aside. Because if you understand this text, when she was when she went to the well, she went to the well when nobody else was there. Hmm, somebody answered that question. Why did this Samaritan woman who grew up in Samaria had to go to a well when her, even her own people were not there? Yeah, somebody missed that. <laughs> somebody missed that she went to the well when nobody was there, even the people that she lived around. Yeah, there, there are times in your life where you got to realize that those people that are around you, that have talked about you, that have thrown and cast you aside, that have cast you out, that have thrown you under the bus, that have thrown you away, that in order to get into the presence of God, you got to go to a place. Yeah, you may have been to the well or seen them at the well before. You may have went into church with them before, but for you to get the well and to get to Jesus, you got to go by yourself so you can have a one-on-one -on -one experience. This ain't about who can go with you to the altar because can't nobody set you free but Jesus. And when Jesus said, if you knew who it was that asked you for a drink, if you knew who I was when I came here, then you know that you have access to me like none other. And the Bible says that when he spoke that word and said that I would have given you living water, that 
would spring forth out of you, she said, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. But get this. I want to go back real quick, and I know we're almost done for the evening. But I need you to get this, because even in the midst of Jesus saying, if you knew the gift of God and who it was to say to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with. Oh, Jesus, I, I'm, 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 I'm teaching this, but I got I, I to gotta hit this real quick. There comes a point in your life where you got to stop believing that everybody else has the tools for your deliverance, that you got to believe that you got to stop believing that everybody else has what you need to draw with from them. Yeah, the water that you've been drinking from, the water that you've been dealing with, the water that you've been getting, Jesus is saying that's not sustainable enough. He said when you came to this well, you brought your bucket so that you can get your own water, that water that was dirty. Oh, Jesus, I need you to get this. The water that she was drinking, get this, had already had everybody else mess in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody missed that. The water that she was holding on to or trying to get from the well had already been touched by every other man, every other woman, every other donkey and animal, every other thing that had drunk from there. But then when Jesus said, but the water that I give you, yeah, somebody missed what I just said. He transferred what the water she thought she needed to the water that he had for her. The, water, the reason Jesus got tired right there was because somebody needed a drink and needed to know that you can't drink from Buddha, that you can't drink from Muhammad, that you can't drink from the wine bottle, that you can't drink from the alcoholism, that you can't drink from the club, that you can't drink because if you continuously drink from there, you're going to keep returning back to that when you get thirsty again. But Jesus said, but the water that I give you, yeah, what, yeah, 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 the water that I give you, he said, you will never thirst again. But whoever drinks of this water, that shall I give him, will never thirst again. I want to unplenish. I want to un a, 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 a well that does not dry up. And yeah, because because every time a well, it has to rain in order for a well to be filled back up with regular rain. But when Jesus comes on the scene and he touches your life, what he fills you up with is better than what you've ever experienced in your life. Yeah, I, I know some people like Dasani. I know some people like Aquafina. I know some people like Deer Park. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to talk about this real quick in the natural before I get out of here. But if you ever had Fuji water and you drank the water that came from Fuji uh, in those bottles that, that they only send a certain amount at a certain time because it comes from a fresh spring. It does not come from man-made production. Yeah, yeah. Something in your life got to be told right now that God is saying that you, I'm tired of the man-made production that you've accepted in your life. And now it's time to get back to who I called you to be and I got to pour into you my production of water that never flows any that never stops flowing the Bible says when you talk about the blood that it reaches to the highest mountain it flows through the lowest valley the blood that shall give us strength from day to day it shall never lose its power when you talk about this water when I talk about the water we know the water is synonymous with the Holy Spirit so now 
now when we're talking about the water that Jesus gave the Samaritan woman who had not gotten saved yet, but he said, I'll touch you with my spirit. Yeah, somebody missed that right there. He said, I'll touch you with my spirit. And what will my spirit do? It will release into you. It will lead you. It will guide you. It will protect you. It will bring to your remembrance all those things. Yeah, because somebody needs to know right now that in the midst of everything you're going through, in the midst of everything you've been through, God is saying, I'm ready to pour back into you all that you thought you lost in this season of your life. I'm ready to pour back into you all that you thought that that they had that you had poured out into others. God said, I saw you pour it out into others. And in this season of your life, the reason you haven't been able to do ministry, prophet, is because God said, I'm pouring back into you all that you lost. I'm pouring back into you all that you've gone through. I'm pouring back a double portion of the anointing I gave you. And God said, it is time for you to have your well experience with me. Yeah, it's time for you to have your well experience. It's time for you to seek after me. It's time for you to seek after me. He said, it shall the water, but the water I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water. He didn't he said now you have access to your own well because I planted the seed on the inside of you. Yeah, in, in, in this season that we've declared rooted to grow, it starts with the seed. And the seed that God is planting on the inside of you is beginning to spring forth the water that you need, the water that's going to set you free, the water that's going to bring change, the water that's getting ready to deliver you, the water that's getting ready to cast out every issue that the enemy thought he was going to keep you bound to. He said the seed that, that I'm pouring into you, that, that that's being developed right now, is getting ready to shift the atmosphere. It's getting ready to shift your entire environment. And now, once it shifts, you got to get ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to get ready because it's going to flow like never before. There, there, there's an, an anointing. There's a flowing that's coming like never before, Deaconess Tansy. There's a flowing that's coming like never before because it's getting ready to spring forth out of you. Yeah, because it was not produced. Uh, yeah, it wasn't produced religiously. It was produced supernaturally. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it, it, it was produced supernaturally. And so in this season and in this time, my simple question to you as we get ready to close out is why did Jesus speak to you? Yeah, why did Jesus speak to you? Because Jesus doesn't just have conversations arbitrarily. When you hear the voice of God and you hear him speaking to you, it's because he has purpose that he's trying to release. He's trying to release. Why? Because as we deal with this scripture some more next week, this one Samaritan woman, get this, changed the course of a whole city. This one Samaritan woman changed the course of a whole city. Yeah, somebody missed that. This one Samaritan woman that if you think about it, 
was not supposed to have this conversation changed the course of a whole nation. They thought you wasn't supposed to have the conversation. But the conversation you're having right now and at this moment is getting ready to change the course of your whole family. It's getting ready to change the course of generations to come from you. It's getting ready to change the course of everything that you God has ever promised to you. It starts with this conversation. Yeah. The conversation has to be authentic. You're part of the conversation because we know God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, he shall perform it. But the response back has to be authentic. If you got to get on your knees and cry out, if you got to yell, God, why are you talking to me? I'm not worth it, God. Why are you talking to me, God? I've fallen, God. Why are you talking to me, God? Let him respond to you with, if you knew who it was. Yeah. If you knew who it was, that's right here. See, we got to have those authentic moments. Yeah, you, you, you could have grown up in church all your life, but right now, have an authentic moment. Somebody might be saying, Pastor, I, I, I thought I was being authentic and I'm not hearing the voice of God. Tell God that. Tell him, God, I, I, I don't know what it is. I need to hear you. You ain't got to be long-winded. You ain't got to go through a whole soliloquy of, of, of different things. Have that authentic conversation so that he can be authentic with you and the response that you need. A conversation can change your life. A conversation. I know for me, there has been times where I thought I was doing something right. I, I, in my mind, I made it up that it was right. And God will send the word through somebody that I don't even think I should be listening to. And you know, that first thought is, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But then God said, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to just send it through them, but I'm going to send it to the next person. And then they tell you. There has to be a moment where you're at the well. That you're at the well of Samaria. That you're the Samaritan woman. Because what the enemy has tried to do with you, he's tried to cause the inferiority to not have access. Hmm. It is. The inferiority, let, 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 let God handle that. Because he said he created every hair on your head. He numbered. He knows every hair on your yeah. head. He said he created you in his image and in his likeness. There is no inferiority in you. Yeah, who am I speaking to right now? 
God said, there is no inferiority. You can speak to that sickness and tell that sickness to go. You can speak to that situation. And I'm not just talking about physical sickness, sickness in your mind. Yeah, th there are a lot of people who have sickness in their mind because of what they've experienced from their childhood and through their adulthood. That there's a sickness that's been passed down. You have inherited something from your past that God said is not required for you to survive. Yeah, your your your. I, I preached about this before. God said He told Abraham to leave in his leave his inheritance and go to his promised land. There are some things that you have inherited that God has been saying, leave it right here. You do not have to take it with you. Leave it right here in order to journey to your promised land. Yeah. Hallelujah. 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 This hasn't been our normal Bible study, but God has just been, he, he, he has been speaking to me about this woman and this encounter. Because this encounter, it did not go through where Jesus healed her from blindness. But he healed her from an inferiority complex and told her that she was worth something. You're welcome. He told her she was worth something. And because she was worth something, she changed the whole nation. God said you're worth something as I close out on this evening. God, I, I need you to hear this. God said you are worth something. I don't care what you've done to this point. God said you are worth something. You are my jewel. You are my prized possession. You are fearfully and wonderfully made in my image. He said, I'm changing the narrative. Matter of fact, I'm changing that thing that, I'm, uh, that, that, that thing that you could not let go of, that thing that you felt like had to, that you had to have to sustain you. He said, I'm killing it off right now so that you can be presented as a faultless, blameless child before me. Father God, in the name of Jesus, God, as we as we come to a point in this Bible study on this evening, God, that you have released a word on this evening, God, because so many of us have dealt with hiding behind this image, this inferiority and allowing it to run our life. That at this moment, God, that you have met us at this place of the well that we have been drawing the same water from year after, day after, month after, time after time. But you're saying, let that go and take of me and drink of me. So God, right now in the mighty name of Jesus, I ask God that you Reach out and touch every person in this place that they're at. They're having their Sumerian well moment right now. And God, you're a God of salvation. You're a God of deliverance. But more importantly, you're a God that is love.
Your word declares that no greater love than a man showed than to lay down his life for his friend. And we know that Jesus said that we are his friends on today. So God, because he said we're his friend, we believe, God, that supernaturally that you can intervene on any situation, that supernaturally you can have dominion over whatever you say you have dominion over. For you are above and not beneath. You you are as far as you are alpha and omega. You are our beginning and our end. You know every hair on our head. You said you created us in your image and in your likeness. You said you knew us before we were even formed in our mother's womb. You called us, you consecrated us, you set us apart for a assignment, God. And too often, we discredit ourselves, not you, we discredit ourselves from that assignment. So God, right now, I speak a spirit of release into each and every person right now in the name of Jesus. Release from the bitterness, release from the hurt, release from the pain, release from the anguish, release from the situations that have brought us down. God, you are a deliverer. You are our strong tower. You said the righteous shall run into it and be safe. So, God, thank you for giving us a place of safety on this evening. Thank you for giving us another encounter with you. Now, wherever we are, God, whatever tears are flowing, whatever issues that we've had, we ask, God, that you bundle it up and take it on you. For you said cast our burdens on you. And you would give us rest. So, God, we honor you, we worship you, and we magnify your name. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Before we get off on this evening, is there any questions that someone may have that I did not get a chance to deal with on this evening? But there, and you can unmute yourselves if you all are there. Deaconess Tansy, are you still there? Yes, I'm here. Any anybody have any questions? Any, um, I'll, I'm gonna give it about about five minutes. If you all have any questions, we can talk about whatever it is that you want to talk about. If you have something to say, Prophetess Henson, uh, I, I'm, I'm coming to you. I'm, I'm I'm coming to you, woman of God. I'm coming to you. Digging this tansy, Miss Perkins, yeah. I, I believe I see you there. Amen. Amen. Woman of God. I'm just full. Amen. I'm full. I, you don't often understand. And as often as we plan our ways, he devises our steps. And everything that you touched on is exactly what I have been dealing with in the last 72 hours. Amen. And I was just, I was sitting here trying to take care of something for my son. And all of a sudden it felt like I had attachments. And I'm like, Lord, why do I feel like, I was like, okay, there's still some parts of me that people, I don't know whether they're soul tied, something. And I just began to cry out. And right when I cried out, 
that's when your invitation to Bible study. And I was just sitting here saying, I need to talk to somebody. And he said, no, I want to talk to you. My God. And instantaneously, instantaneously, I've been delivered. Instantaneously. Forty-something years of feeling inferior, only to hear him tell me that you are Zion's daughter. Oh, I've been sitting here wondering, God, I know what you said. I know what you spoke. When, when, where, how will I know it? Who's to lead me? You've called both my parents home, and I feel lost. Mm. Yet the one thing that always springs up is the word of God. Nobody.